Welcome, I'm Ryan Hicks, and this is Modern Business, the podcast to learn from franchise business leaders and explore new business technology. Our community is about sharing knowledge and tools that help us achieve our goals in business and beyond. Thanks for being here, and welcome to Modern Business. This podcast and this summer tour would not be possible without our sponsors, so please check them out, go to their websites, listen to their value propositions, and consider doing business with them. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I'm Ryan Higgs. And I'm Zach Fishman. And if there's one thing we've learned through many episodes of Modern Business, there never seems to be enough time to manage all the marketing vendors you work with. As suppliers in the franchise space, Ryan and I know how confusing it can be to navigate choosing the right ones. Sometimes we see brands that have an agency for PPC, another for SEO, and a company that handles social media, and another that handles your website. We often hear from franchise marketers that they spend entire days just communicating with vendors just to get simple tasks done or to gather data from all of these separate sources. Fear not, franchise fam. Zach and I are so excited to introduce this week's sponsor, Scorpion, a marketing company built to handle all the needs of franchise brands. Scorpion is an all-in-one marketing partner capable of handling everything your franchise needs, from your branding and website to your search engine optimization, online reputation, and paid to advertising. But listen, don't take our word for it. Entrepreneur Magazine named Scorpion the number one franchise marketing company. To learn more, visit scorpion.co slash mb. That's scorpion.co slash mb. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Business, another episode here on the FranchiseOrs.com Summer Tour. Uh, I am coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee, here at the Service Master offices, but uh, that is not what we are here to talk about today. Um, we, have the, uh, we have the opportunity to talk to a gentleman who I've uh, you know, gotten to know uh, reasonably well over the past couple months. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting him uh, back in Vegas, uh, back in Vegas, uh, back in May, uh, we have our we have our good friend, uh, CDO of Pinchy Penny, Michael Aerosmith, on with us today. Michael, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. No, oh, thank you for having me, Zach. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Well, uh, well, I, I know that we've uh, you know over the past uh, couple months gotten to know each other quite a bit better. Uh, we we work together now. We have some friends in common now, which is really awesome. And uh, I know that you've had a really long and awesome and, and great career in franchising. And uh, I did not know you back when you were at Captain D's, but I think where uh, where we should probably start um, is kind of getting into, you know, the brand and why you decided to, what, what really attracted you to Pinch Penny initially, because I know that it definitely is a pretty big difference uh, from Captain D's, of course. Yeah, well, to put that in perspective, I probably need to go back a little bit just to, just to say that I spent essentially my entire career in franchising and all in the restaurant or food service space, whether that be, um, you know, a sit down restaurants like um, Danny's restaurants or um, the coffee business for a period of time or, or um, Captain D's, which was a fast casual concept. Um, so the appeal to me is for Pinch Penny was a couple of things. One is it was in a totally different space because now this is not food, this is retail space. A different type of um, buyer that we're trying to recruit into the brand. And the brand was going to new markets. Pinch Penny, for those of you that do not know, uh, we're essentially a retail or a pool 
retail store, as well as a service provider uh, for pools and repairing uh, pools. We're over 250 locations, but almost all of them are in Florida. And so the brand wanted to go into Texas in the new markets. And again, that's a different type of growth as well when you're going into new markets, things that I've done before in the past. So all of those appealed to me. Uh, but quite frankly, Zach, I'm the kind of guy that once things start going smoothly, I tend to get a little bored and I tend to look at something new or different to do. And I like the challenge of bringing this brand and, and, and helping the team develop outside its, its, its normal areas and, um, and really excel as a brand. Unit economics are outstanding and, uh, it's just a, it's just a fantastic brand, but to test in a new market with a new brand in the retail space, um, was a, is a pretty challenging uh, feat that I'm looking forward to doing and we're in the process of doing right now. No, absolutely. And I think that uh, it certainly is a challenge to cross over into a different industry that, you know, you never really, obviously you have an incredibly illustrious career on the, on the restaurant side of franchising. So it is really awesome that you decided to take that challenge uh, and, you know, dive headfirst into, into Pinch Penny. And I think that it definitely is an awesome brand. I've had the pleasure to get to know it a little bit better over the past couple of months. And uh, I, re- I really think that uh, you guys have a bright future with it. So really looking forward to seeing where it's going. Now, um, there are a lot of changes that you probably wanted to make when you first got to Pinch Penny. Um, what would you say is, you know, your, your baby, so to speak, from an initiative standpoint that uh, you're really working on uh, implementing uh, first? Well, we're implementing a lot of things, uh, but I think it's important when you walk into a new brand that you really try your best to understand that brand as well as possible, uh, because you can make a lot of, you can make a lot of decisions that are not the right decisions. You might think they're the right decisions for you as a franchising so-called expert, but you don't know anything about the brand and it might not be good for the brand. So you've got to be sure that you're educated on the brand. There's ways to get yourself up to speed quicker. And one of them is to be sure that in the franchising business, you always want to be sure that you're not operating in a silo, that you're bringing other people into the, into the decision process, whether that be um, the executives or, or your management and the executive team or your peers or even your own development team that you've walked into. So, um, so that, so that's an important thing to be sure that you have, um, down right away. In terms of initiatives, oh my gosh, I mean, we're doing so much so fast. We've completely changed all of our recruitment efforts. Um, actually, we've moved from a broker model of recruiting to direct recruiting. Um, I've made some changes on the team, not a lot, uh, which is another threat we could go down uh, if you wanted, um, but really just a lot more focus. Um, I'm a great believer in doing just a few things really, really well, rather than trying to, especially at the beginning, rather than trying to do a dozen things okay. You got to really focus and get some quick wins under your belt. And it's important to send that message to the organization. Um, I think also culturally, we're in the midst of really transforming this company from just not just an operating company, but a growth company. And there's a mindset change and a philosophy change that happens and a culture change that happens when you do that. And so uh, I know I'm probably talking about a lot of different things and you've asked for one or two, but there's just so many things that we're, we're in the infant stage of, of, of moving forward. And so that's the exciting part. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, when you, when you do come to a new company, there are a lot of things that you want to do. And I think it's uh you know, you, you want to try and make it better. That's what you were brought in to do, of course. And I think that uh, you guys are certainly well on your way to doing that. And there's a lot of things that you guys are, you know, looking to change for the better, not necessarily that it was bad before, but, you know, I, I can definitely tell that you guys uh, will have a lot of uh, awesome things on the horizon. So, so exactly. Uh, and 
And to dig into that specifically, um, I know that you know you, you're you're beginning to prioritize uh, you know leaning on suppliers quite a bit. But I guess my uh, in, in terms of really, you know, the different things that you're looking to do and new initiatives that you're mm-hmm. rolling out, uh, is there a particular part of uh, is there a particular part that you find interesting from a technology standpoint that you think uh, has really changed the way that you guys have been doing things uh, since you came on board? Yeah, I you know I, I I guess the best way to answer that is to say that you really have to understand who you are recruiting to, what type of franchisees you're recruiting to, who's your target, and then how do they um, communicate and then how do you need to adjust to that so I think the key thing about technology technology is changing gosh daily but the key for me is what is the communication part of technology that's changing how do people communicate today because that's really what you're trying to do you're trying to get your message out there and so you better be on top of how that's changing and uh, while I like to think I know a lot of things about a lot of things, quite honestly, I don't really know a lot about a lot of things. But what I do know is to try to surround myself with people that are on the cutting edge of this stuff um, and suppliers and vendors that, that can help you with their expertise. So I try to bring in suppliers and partners that can help educate me and bring me along. And I try to make kind of low-cost decisions or maybe I would say that low-cost bets so I'll try it. I'm really willing to try a lot of different things as long as it's not too cost prohibitive. And then if they don't work, then we just don't use them. <laughs> but if you don't ever try it, you don't ever really know what works. So that's how I would answer your question regarding technology. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that uh, it is really important for you to kind of get that particular part right, as you know. I mean, I know that you've uh, had a had a couple stops along your career, and I'm sure that every single time you you've had one, you kind of realize like, wow, like I need to get my partners right. Obviously, with my team, but also the people that are that are third party as well. It's really important to kind of have that good balance, and it seems like you guys are definitely doing that. So uh, thank you for going through that as well. Uh, yeah, now, I would, you know, I, I would also add to that, Zach, if you don't mind. I would also add to that is that you know, I try to think in terms of in today's world. If you are at a, at a C level, if you're a chief development officer level, you know, the past generations might have thought, oh, well, I should have, you know, 25 or 30 people report to me. That makes me feel important you know, or be important, I guess. I, I don't have that philosophy. Like, I don't want more than four or five people reporting to me directly. But I always think of my partners and vendors, suppliers as somebody on my team. Now, whether they report to me directly or not, you know, I don't. I don't really care that much, but in yesterday's world, maybe I would have somebody in charge of communication and somebody in charge of recruitment marketing and somebody in charge of, you know, securing PR. I don't have those. I just have those as being my vendor partners. I don't need people like that work for me to do that. Why would I do that? And that's, I think that's a mind shift sometimes that people of your generation, you know, the millennial generation, that probably comes natural to, but people of, of my generation or maybe of the baby boomer generation, you know, they don't think in those terms, and, but they're at those C levels. And so you've got to always be sure that you're thinking, you know, uh, about how the buyers today are reacting and how can you best maximize the resources that you have today. No, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think that it's a, it's a balance that people are starting to learn more and more. But I think, you know, at that same point, uh, it is a hard thing to get used to because I, yeah, I mean, I do recognize that, you know, companies were bigger and you had more things internally just because that was the way that 
you know, businesses were run. And I think that now, obviously, it's changing quite a bit. And as we see, you know, the IFA supplier membership continue to blossom, and there's a reason for that, because there's more right. need for, and there's more need and there's more desire to work with third parties and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, the balance is very fine. So uh, it, it, it's it's hard to get down correctly, but once you do, it uh, definitely makes sense. So uh, to, 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 add, to dig in a little bit further into your career and kind of what mm-hmm. that has brought to Pinch Penny, um, has there been really uh, has there been a consistent theme uh, or a consistent uh, tip or trick that you just kind of figured out over the course of your career and the stops that you've had um, that you've kind of brought to Pinch a Penny that they never had really done before? Um, wow, that's a that's a really broad question. I, I guess what I would say is that you know everybody has their own different styles and methodologies and. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's any one right way to do it, but I try to stand back when I first walk into a brand as a franchisee and say, what would attract me to this brand? How am I being attracted to this brand? And what is it? I mean, what, what's their main thing? What's, what's the two or three things that is just better about them than anybody else? Why would I want to be associated with them as a franchisee? So I try to take that perspective. I think that would be before I even come, come into the organization. Second thing I would say that I've done historically is I sit down and map up um, kind of, I don't want to say a strategy because you've got to really understand the brand before you can do a competent strategy, but I map out kind of a roadmap of what I think needs to happen to bring the brand forward. And that that last brand I was at, that was seven pages. This brand, I'm up to almost five right now. Um, And then you have to prioritize. So there's a lot of things I'm not real good at, but one of the things I do pretty well is prioritization. And so I'll sit at that and I'll say, okay, there's you know seven pages or five pages of things we need to do. What is the absolute most important thing that if I could only do one would move this brand forward? Because my job ultimately is to is create movement and create momentum and get things going. So what is the one thing, or is there a domino thing that's going to, that's that domino falls all the other things fall so there's so that's the process i go through and it frustrates people sometimes to be honest with you because some people are saying well what about this well what about that and what about the real estate system and the crn system and this system and that system i'm like it's on the list (laughs) we're just not there yet and i think a lot of brands get a little um sideways when they again try to do too many things all at once i'm much of a believer of focusing on the two or three most important things (laughs) And get those out of the way. No, absolutely. And I think that uh, I think that a lot of people are bad at doing that. So I uh, I envy you a little bit uh, that you know you can you, you can you're able to just you know uh, hone in on a couple things and do those things really well instead of trying to juggle 80 different things at once. And I think that you know at, at the end of the day you're going to be a lot more effective if you if you do it your way versus the way that a lot of other people uh, may be doing it. So. Um, I commend you for that, and I think that that's certainly something that a lot of people can learn from, and I think that, you know, I, I hope that, you know, Pinch a Penny has the opportunity uh, to learn from that, not only within your department, but in other departments. As well, well I, think, I think it, you know, it's one of these things that's easy to understand and, and hard to do, and I would say that you have to have a, a certain amount of personality for that, too, meaning that um, I'm not particularly proud of this, but I tend to not worry a lot if I piss people off. I'm not sure I can say that on a podcast. Maybe I should say make people mad. 
No, you can totally um, say that. You're okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't really get all worked up if I piss people off. Like, I, I mean, I don't intentionally try to do it, but at the end of the day, if people are mad because I didn't check their email instantly, like I don't really care, <laughs> you know? And so you have to have that kind of personality. If you care too much about what everybody thinks, then in my opinion, you're not going to be very effective at prioritizing because everybody thinks they are the priority and everybody thinks their project is priority and their email is priority and their text is priority. And if you're afraid of making people upset, then you're not going to be very good at prioritizing. But a mentor of mine once told me either you can prioritize or you're just going to be prioritized by somebody else. So you've got to decide what you want to do. So that would be my hack of the day. <laughs> That's, hey, that, that's good advice that I will probably take away from this, too, because I think that uh, I have a really hard time sometimes with, you know, I feel like that I want to, you know, I feel, I feel like that I want to impress everybody, and so it's really important for me to just get it done, um, you know, get, get, it, get it done efficiently, but maybe that isn't always going to be, you know, the most effective, I suppose. So I think that, that uh, that's something that I can take away from this, too. So, so thank you for that. I, I, I hope that I do it very Okay, so, uh, so so shifting gears a little bit here uh, into a question that I am kind of curious about because uh, there is a lot of talk around uh, you know around the space uh, in general uh, about what how Amazon will really affect it, and I think that um, you know you've you've seen a lot in the franchise space, uh, no matter mm -hmm. if it's food or or within your particular space now. Um, how do you think that? Um, Amazon will be affecting your business uh, long term and, you know, your, your way of selling. And do you think that it will have a longstanding impact or do you think that you guys are, quote, unquote, Amazon? Well, I don't think anybody should be arrogant enough to think that they're Amazon proof. But I think you have That's to look answer. at Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do also think you have to look at Amazon for what it is, meaning like at the end of the day, Amazon is a value player, they're a commodity player. And there's always those people that are the lowest cost commodity. Meaning that, again, I don't, I don't want to sound like we're not worried about Amazon, but I'd be a lot more worried about Amazon if I was Walmart, and I'm sure that, and I know that they are, because they were the low cost producer, right? If, if you and I were having this podcast in 2000, of course, I don't even know if they have podcasts in 2000, but anyway, 2000 or 2001, that question that you would ask me would be about, how are you worried about Walmart? You know, and so, you know, our business has been around since 1975 and we've been through the Walmarts, we've been through the Amazons. And I think the key difference here, which is the key difference, I think, that all franchisors should pay attention to is if you're competing on price alone, everybody's going to go to a low cost provider, which it's hard to imagine if you lower than Amazon. OK, but but they're going to go to a low price. But we don't compete on price. That doesn't mean that we're expensive. But when you, but the advantage that we have is when you have a pool, you need an expert. You need somebody. Most people are coming to us because we're chemistry experts and we understand pools and we understand the water. And you can't just go onto Amazon and figure out why my pool is doing this or that or something broke. Or even on the equipment standpoint, sure, you could go buy a piece of equipment on Amazon. But are you going to install it? I mean, how are you going to install it? Sure, you can go to YouTube and do all this, but if I told you how many times we have people call our business and want us to help them repair something that was installed improperly, and by the way, we can't warranty it. I mean, there's just so many things. I think at the end of the day, if you're a niche player and a specialist, that's where you compete by um, being experts in your field and providing a service that Amazon can't, which is helping people. 
I also think to answer maybe a broader or to make a broader point here is I think franchising is different than general business. So Amazon's a big corporate entity, if you will. Um, and they have a lot of entrepreneurs that I know are part of their, their, their system and their program. But franchising is a local business uh, done by like for us, for example, you know, these are neighbors of ours. So, so we have business owners that are in our um, that are in the community. I mean, they live there. They're your neighbors. And there's something about being helped by somebody local that's connected to you locally rather than uh, the perception of a large, big corporate animal, if you will, um, that I think it makes business a lot more personable. Um, so that would be the second thing I would say. And, and the third thing I would say, just as a little aside, and I don't know if this is accurate or not, Zach, this is just my opinion and seeing and looking at trends, which I've looked at my whole life. There's always seems to be, you know, something that's real popular at the time. And then there's a little bit of a backlash. I kind of wonder if we're moving towards a world that is going to be more and more about small business and specialty business and local business. And are people going to get tired of the big, large corporations, you know, whether that be Coca-Cola versus, a, or, or, or that's probably not the right example, um, like Budweiser beer versus local craft beer. I mean, you see it in so many areas. Are we going to see that in business ownership? I think we might. I don't know. We'll find out, but I think we might. And now a word from our sponsors. Today's podcast is sponsored by the IFPG, the International Franchise Professionals Group. The IFPG has over 800 members, which consist of franchisors, franchise consultants, and other franchise professionals that help potential candidates in their process of buying a franchise. The IFPG has become the obvious choice for experienced franchise consultants and franchisors looking to grow. If you are a franchisor looking to work with the best franchise consultants in the industry, I suggest you call the IFPG. Or if you're an entrepreneur looking for a one-of-a-kind business opportunity, then take a look at the IFPG Certified Franchise Consultant Training Opportunity. You can visit ifpg.org for more info or call 888-977-4374, extension 105. That's 888-977-4374, extension 105, and start this lucrative career today. I mean, I think that it's. I think that it's certainly fair to, you know, to see that there are a lot of examples of, you know, segmentation. If we look at the cable companies, if we look at, you know, the way that alcohol is drank now and and things of that nature, there's a lot of examples of, you know, segmentation. And Amazon kind of feels like that they're going the opposite way. And you know, it's entirely fair to to, mm-hmm. to say that, you know, it, it's very possible that there may be. Uh, segmentation to franchising benefits, and and I think that it's a, it'll be a really interesting thing to see, but um, you know, mm-hmm. really interesting stuff, and you know, always kind of curious well, to hear what people have to say about it. Let me just add one other thing. I think what's interesting about Amazon is look at how they move trends. I mean, that's the thing I really like. Amazon, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and I pay a lot of attention to them. But look at how they moved expectations of um, satisfying trends of instant gratification. I mean, they're working on it. If you can't get, you know, I remember when I was happy if I got an Amazon package in five days. Now it's like I'm I'm pissed off if I don't get it within two hours because I got a buy now near me. Mm-hmm. So they've moved those expectations. And if you can move those expectations and trends and you be the trendsetter, then people come to you. Uh, you saw it with Apple with the iPhone. So if you can do that in your franchise business, and that's how you, you control and dominate your business, and you just look at it 
Um, so I have a tremendous amount of respect for Amazon. They're going to be here for, for, for a long time and don't take anything that I say as a, as, as anything like that I don't have anything but utmost respect for Amazon. But you've got to operate at a different, you've got to operate at a different frequency than Amazon because you can't compete with Amazon on their, on their ground. You, you're just not going to be able to. Yeah, understood. And I think that that's kind of, uh, that's, that's kind of what, where franchising is going in regards to that issue. I think that they're trying um, more and more to uh, become experts in a very particular part of, uh, of, of, you know, their, of their offering. And I think that that's really important to uh, make yourself stand out, that you're not trying to do too much and that you're specifying one thing to your point. You know, I think that it's going to be really hard for Amazon to find people to do something that as specific as what you guys would, as the service you guys are performing in terms of, you know, the way that you train your people too. So I think that uh, it'll be a really great way for you guys to, be able to stand out. So I, I thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, so shifting gears again, uh, back into the franchise development piece of this, because I am kind of curious as to how you guys uh, uh, feel that you're differentiating yourselves from your competitors. So I'd love to just have you talk a little bit about um, you know, maybe who some of your competitors are and, and how you feel that you guys are differentiating yourselves to be able to, you know, push push yourself over the top uh, against them, so to speak. Not necessarily against, because, of course, franchising is never uh, meant to be, yeah. uh, it, it, it's meant to be, and, and there isn't meant to be animosity, so to speak, but I think that, you know, obviously you guys will be competing with them in some regard. Yeah. So uh, let me be sure I'm answering your question correctly. I'm, I'm going to start, but if I'm in the wrong direction, please, uh, please, please jump in here. But I would say, from a you know, from a large perspective, I don't, or, or from a small perspective, should I say, from an industry perspective, I don't know that we have a lot of competitors. Meaning that. Um, when I look at my customers, I consider franchisees to be my customers, and in the pool space, there really isn't anybody that does what we do at the level that we do it. So the largest player in the in the pool space um, actually is a corporation and they're not franchised. So they're not particularly my competitors from getting franchisees. There are a few um, you know pool franchises, but they're mainly just service. So the cool thing about Pinchapenny is we have basically three revenue streams. We don't just have service, that's one of them, but we also have a retail store. So that's your second revenue stream. And we also do, and when I say service, I mean like maintenance type stuff. And then we also do repairs. So that's your third revenue stream. So we have three revenue streams. And a lot of what you will see on pool franchising is really just service, which is a guy who's just cleaning the pool. Um, and so we don't really have a lot of competition. There's one of the company that does it and they're big in another foreign country and they're trying to get established here, but they're not, gosh, they're not even a tenth of the size of, of we are. So, so in our space, there really isn't anybody that does what we do at the level that we do it. But if you expand that to say within service franchises, then yeah, there's, there's a lot of competition there. And what we look at is, you know, we can provide a certain lifestyle that a lot of our say, retail franchisors can't really do. I mean, you've got a store um, that you've also got, like I said, these are multiple streams. You can also be outside. You can have family be involved in your business. Most of our franchisees are either husband, have a husband and wife team or they have uh, children involved in their business. So it really is a lifestyle family type business. And that's something that, uh, that is important. And the business continually grows. And, um, you know, we haven't had a down year in over a decade. 
Um, and from a sales standpoint, we've never closed a location in over 30 years. We haven't closed a pinch of any locations. So, so that's another thing that differentiates us. You're building a, a real valuable asset for your family for the future that you could either pass on to the next generation if you want to stay with them within our pinch of penny brand, or you can sell the business. Um, and you've got a real asset there that you can sell. Absolutely. And I, and I, wow, I, I did not know all that. So I think that that's really awesome to hear, not only that you guys haven't closed anything in your, in your long history, but also that, you know, I think that the multiple, multiple revenue streams definitely sets you guys apart. I, I am aware that there are quite a few people in the space that, you know, are doing a lot of the pool servicing, but I suppose that I, uh, I, I was aware that you guys were doing um, some retail stores, but I think the third revenue stream, I don't think I really knew about. So I think that that's pretty awesome that you guys are doing that. I think that that certainly uh, will give you the opportunity to, you know, set yourself apart from the others. Most certainly. Yeah, I should, I should state because I, I don't, you know, I don't know who's going to be listening to this and where it's going to go. You know, I'm not guaranteeing any kind of success with a with with a pinch of uh, franchise. But I will say, and we have not closed the you know closed the location in 30. You know, we relocated locations. Of, you know, if a trader moves or whatever, we lose a lease, we've relocated you know down the road or something. But but we've not we don't close pinch of penny locations um, generally. Um, you know, that just doesn't happen because we understand the business. We understand where our markets should be. We understand the real estate. We've been doing this for so long that, you know, those are metrics that we know and that's the expertise that we bring to the table. But again, I'm going to be very clear. In no way am I implying that we are absolutely guaranteeing every franchisee success. We don't do that. Um, but we can set up the environment and success is normally dictated by the quality of the franchisee and what they bring to the table. Success is never, success in franchising is never a certainty. So I, I yes, I think that I, I can certainly understand where you're, where you're coming from there. But I think that you know, even so, the fact that you guys um, have uh, really uh, ensured that you guys, you know, your location count is staying where it should be and even growing uh, is, is, is awesome. And, I, and, I, and I'm really looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing uh, where, uh, where the growth goes from here, obviously, under, uh, under your direction. Now, uh, in closing, I just wanted to shift to two questions that I think, um, that I think would really be helpful for maybe some of, the, um, some of the folks who don't necessarily know franchise sales quite as well. Um, you are obviously uh, quite an expert in this particular side due to your career, and I think that these are two questions that uh, will really help folks to really understand what, how, how you tick. And I think, uh, number one, you, you, you know, you've been, you've been uh, at Pitch Penny for a little while now, um, and I know that it's really important to kind of uh, plan even one to two years ahead uh, just to kind of have some type of vision. Uh, where do you guys where, where do you really see your department going in the next 24 months and, you know, in terms of uh, what your plans are and kind of how you're preparing uh, for the growth that you guys will likely be having in the future? Be sure I understand your question. Are you talking about the number of people or strategy or? Really anything. It's really all-encompassing. Okay. How, you know, how, how are you planning to kind of uh, expand the way that you guys are? How do you guys really plan to expand your department? What Strategies? Are mm -hmm. you looking to employ yeah. to you know take take things to the next step and things like that? Okay. So um, the way I would answer that is, I think in terms of the department, one of the things that I've learned is that if you really want to grow a brand, you've got to be sure that the company is focused on growth. And so one of the things I've challenged my department on, and I hope we get there before the 24 months, is to be leaders in the organization, leaders for growth in the organization. So when people think growth, they think pinch a penny. And when they think growth, they think the 
the development department and really become leaders and thought leaders in that and lead the charge. And I think there's perception sometimes that leaders have to be, have a certain title, you know, or whatever. I mean, that's, that may be a boss, but that's not, I'm not looking to have a department of bosses. I'm looking for having a department of leaders who, who are, um, you know, leading the charge and leading the excitement and, and going forward and changing the culture. Because I think once you have a company, a lot of people miss this, I think, on the sales side. It's not just about going out into the community and trying to recruit franchisees. You also have to do internal recruiting. And it's so, so important to get the company behind what you're doing. There's an internal recruitment part as well. And so when I look at this department and I look at Pinchapenny in general, I want this department to be so on fire that it's contagious. And that's how you get momentum to start. And that's how you get a whole company focused on growth because that just makes it a lot easier. Growth is not just about sales. I mean, growing the company, you know, sales is one piece of it. It's about the marketing team. It's about the training. It's about operations. It's about the leadership of, on the executive side. It's about all of those things. And, and my goal and our goal for our department would be to get us focused on growth and get us focused on being a growth company. And then everything else, it's like, it's like rolling a stone downhill instead of uphill. And so from an internal perspective and from a department perspective, and from a leadership standpoint, that's where I want us to be and to lead the company into growth and make it a safe place to be, the growth to be a safe position to be within the company. So um, anyway, so that's so I kind of went off on that, but I feel very passionate about that. No, it's, I mean, I, I think that it's important to feel passionate about that. And I think that you know, having a well thought out direction is really important. And it's honestly something that not a lot of people uh, in, in franchising, no matter how long they've been doing it, um, really can say that they do efficiently. And I think that it's certainly clear that you've definitely thought about, you know, what you'd like to get uh, out of your department in the next 24 months and really where you guys would like to go and how you'd like to do it. And I think that um, kudos to you because not many people can say that they know what they're eating for breakfast tomorrow morning. So I think that the fact that you've thought that through um, maybe that has to do with all the writing that you're doing on your end, and maybe I should try doing that. But uh, <laughs> I, I think at the end of the day, it is uh, it is definitely uh, a smart way to go about things. So, so, so kudos to you, and I uh, appreciate you kind of going through that. Um, in closing here, Michael, I wanted just to go through mm -hmm. with you, uh, lastly, a question that I always like to ask everybody. Um, a lot of my people that I view as mentors and people that I, you know, look, in, look up to in franchising, and it's really – um, specifically in franchise development, I'm always curious to hear what folks like yourself have to say about, you know, when, when you look back uh, and when you look back, you know, at your, at your career and more specifically, I suppose, at Pinch Penny, uh, when you first started and really, I guess, in your tenure, what is one thing that you wish uh, that you guys have, that you guys did differently at the very beginning uh, that you guys are currently doing now? My answer would be move faster. Mm -hmm. Move faster. And what I mean by that is I think I have a tendency and I think a lot of people have a tendency to be sure that you're right before you step forward, before be sure that you're, you've got this nailed before you move forward. And I think there's nothing that can replace speed, meaning that um, you hear this a lot in Silicon Valley, right? Is it, what do they call it? Speed to market or or, or whatever the, the terminology is that they use. And yeah. I think there's a lesson we can all take from that, but particularly me. I mean, I've, I've got some ideas about our brand. We've, we're going in a certain direction and, and things. And, and I don't know if they're all going to be right, 
But what I do know is I wish I would have started them two weeks before I did or two days before I did or two months before I did because we'd be better off because there's hardly any decisions that you're making that you can't redo down the road. And I could give you multiple, multiple examples of that. But a, a, one I'll give you really quickly because this has happened to me in a couple times at brands is is you should have an idea of who your target is, right? Of who your target franchisee is. And I'm telling you, I've gotten that wrong more than I've gotten it right. But that's not a bad thing because my wrong answer led me to the right answer uh, and led our organization to the right answer or led our team to the right answer. Meaning that we thought we were going after one target that didn't end up being the target, but that actually helped us align ourselves to another target that if we wouldn't have gotten down there, we wouldn't have ended up to where we should have, should have been. And so what I always think about myself and encourage others to do is how could I have moved this quicker and faster and not been so, Oh gosh, I wonder if this is going to work or not work. Like, like if you surround yourself with smart people, you're going to figure it out. And it's, and, and, and it's okay. If you, if you didn't go in the right direction right away, you can shift, you can, you can recalibrate. Um, you can pivot is I guess the hottest cultural word right now to describe that. But having the confidence to do that comes with having done it. And so um, that's what I would say um, in answer to that. And I still say that to myself every day. I, I honestly look in the mirror in the morning. One of the things I do when I'm shaving, I say, what am I not moving fast enough right now? What am I not doing that I should be doing? What am I hesitating on? Because I just know I've been down this road enough to know that there's always something I'm, like, ah, I'm just not so sure. Let me wait a week. Let me wait two weeks. And there's always something. There's always something. And so that's what I always tell myself, like, I should have done this faster. I should have done, I should have moved quicker. No, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, being introspective and being able to understand when there are things that you could do better and it's okay to make mistakes is something that has been a theme on this, uh, on this tour thus far is that I've heard mm -hmm. execs that I, you know, have looked up to and to be honest, people mm -hmm. that um, I honestly kind of think in my head, wow, they're, they're perfect. They do it this way and that way. Um, they say things like that, and I think that it's always kind of refreshing, uh, especially for, you know, me being a younger guy and kind of understanding that it's okay not to get it right immediately. And uh, I'm happy to hear that yet another person that I, uh, that, that I believe to be doing uh, their job incredibly well um, does make mistakes too, so it's always good to know that not everybody's perfect. Uh, but, yeah, I think that that's certainly something that a lot of people can take away from this is that it is always uh, helpful to be to be able to um, have that introspective uh, view on things as well. Yeah, Zach, if, if you don't mind, if I could just add one other thing to that, I think what happens, what I've learned is, is you hesitate when you're not sure, and that's kind of a natural thing. And so, and I think when you don't, when you're a little bit younger in either your career or younger in a company, like I'm young right now at Pinch and Penny, you know, young in the brand, there's a natural tendency that you're just not sure. And whenever you're not sure, you hesitate. And so I always try to be really aware of like, what am I hesitating or what am I not sure about? If I'm not sure about something, then what am I going to do to resolve it? So, so moving forward, isn't necessarily saying, okay, I'm going to walk in the office and make that phone call today. It's saying, Hmm, why am I not making that phone call? And let me solve that problem. Perfect example is if I'm working with a vendor on a providing a service and I haven't made that phone call. I've got the thing sitting on my desk. Like, why is it sitting there? Well, maybe I need to make one other phone call to somebody to, to find out, 
you know, uh, how they've used the service. Or maybe I need to understand one piece about, like, why am I hesitating? And I think it's very important that if you look at something on your desk that's been sitting there for a while and ask yourself, why haven't you moved that forward? Or maybe you shouldn't move it forward. Maybe you should take it and throw it in the trash and just get it off your desk. But the question isn't so much just moving, but why aren't you moving? And I would really challenge you know, anybody that's struggling with that to think about that question, and I struggle with it every day, please don't get the impression because I'm saying this, that I've got all this figured out, I don't. Um, but what I do know is, to your point, the more self-aware you can be, particularly as a leader, um, and as a thought leader, and as somebody trying to grow and move an organization forward and grow a brand, the more self-aware you can be uh, about yourself and about the brand, the better off you'll be. Absolutely. Well, Michael, those were awesome parting words and really great advice, and I really hope that people um, listen uh, to it because I think that it's certainly uh, something that I've learned uh, from today, too, and uh, I, I really appreciate your time, and uh, I, I know that, uh, I, unfortunately, we couldn't make it down uh, to Tampa to see you because, uh, unfortunately, our schedules didn't uh, quite uh, cross over, but really looking forward to seeing you very soon. Uh, thanks again for taking the time, Great. and uh, really You're looking welcome. forward to uh, seeing you in the conference. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you.